Happy Hour, a work, culture, and lifestyle show. We're your hosts. I'm Brittany Bowering. And I'm Penny Blackmore. Rate, review, and subscribe if you feel so inclined. Yes. Yeah. How are you, Brit? Well, I'm doing pretty good, actually. Uh, we were just talking before we started recording that we're both in like hyper spring cleaning mode. Mm-hmm. And uh, right near my house actually is the, um, the <laughs> this is going to make it sound really kind of gross where I live, but it's like the city dump or it's one of them. <laughs> uh, I swear, it's actually like. I had like no idea what a, you were going to say just then. It's a few blocks away from my house. Uh, Congratulations. Which is, yeah, you know, it's not necessarily lucky, um, but here we are. Uh, anyway, but so there's, and l- lately, the past like few days, it's been like lined up just down the street with people wow. just, just dumping stuff. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Just taking a real dump. <laughs> uh, no, but, anyways, everybody's in this like spring cleaning mode, which is super nice. Um, yeah, so I'm doing good. How are you, Penn? Yeah, same. I mean, like, it's Good Friday today, so um, yes. it's the Easter long weekend. I think everyone was like, let this week be over for some reason. I did not speak to one person this week that was like, I'm having a good day. Everyone was just like, fuck this. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so then there's a four-day weekend and we've all been looking forward to it so hard. And I woke up this morning like really flipping relaxed. I can't even yeah. tell you. I was like, I don't have to do anything today if I don't want to. Exactly. Except the Such podcast, which I do genuinely enjoy doing. So it's not like a task. Exactly. It's more like exactly. a chat with my friend Bwit. Yeah. <laughs> I also, I no one's going to care about this, but I found... Um, my So I was missing, so we had two glorious days of basically full-blown summer Oof. weather, like 22 degrees earlier this week. It was 25 on Wednesday. 25. That's insane. Love That's that. so crazy. I mean, I believe it. Yeah, I was out there. It did feel, it was like warm. Yeah. Anyway, and, um, but I realized that since I moved, I had lost a, like, like a box of my summer shoes, you know, like my- oh. Like sandals and just any, like all of my, like my Birkenstocks. Oh, no. You can't live in Germany and not have a pair of friggin' Birkenstocks at hand, ready to put on. Honestly, I would say that like you can't live anywhere without Birkenstocks. That's true. Yeah. Mm. But they really are a German staple. They are, yeah. Anyway, but I found them this morning, uh, which was a little late, you know, but whatever. It's fine as long as I have them. Because I was like, am I going to have to rebuy like Birkenstocks and my like, you know, Converse shoes that I wear all summer long? Yeah. Although you probably should re, those can get kind of stinky sometimes. (laughs) You should actually, you know. It's funny because like there are certain shoes where you're like, these are a staple, but I do have to buy, rebuy them every two years or so because they're just, yeah. they're so gross now. Like exactly. Birkenstocks really, if you go to um, a body of water, like a lake or something and you get them wet, they get kind of Nightmare. squelchy. Yeah. So gross. And then they squeak a little bit. Yeah. No. That's the worst. Yeah. Anyway, so summer summer vibes, summer shoes, although it's not really summer vibes, but like spring vibes, mm-hmm. uh, which is super nice. And just like finding things that you thought were gone. It's like you got something <laughs> even though you always had it. It's the greatest feeling. It is. It's like finding five bucks in your pocket. hundred you know? percent. It's like when I left my so. bag at your house and then I got it back a few days later, I was like, ooh, 
house keys. I should leave my bag more often. <laughs> yeah. Work. This is interesting because I think this topic, I think, is going to be really, or this section, I should say, of the podcast, I think this week's going to be interesting because just like you said, everybody, everybody around me who I'm talking to is just like, work. Yeah. Ugh. You know? Yeah. So what's on your mind, Penn? Well, um, <laughs> I have a bit of a rambly topic and I just want to mm-hmm. hear your opinion on it. And I also want to get people Love thinking it. about it. But mm-hmm. basically... Um, I've been thinking a lot lately about strategy and like what it is when people use it. And basically I feel like sometimes people use strategy as a form of procrastination. Um, They're kind of just like, oh, we need a new strategy in that case. If we're going to do this, we need to do a new strategy. And Mm -hmm. I've said to some of my clients like, Actually, as an organization of three or four people, like literally the last thing you need is a strategy right now. The most important thing that you can do is like start doing things and seeing how they work because strategy at this point is just guessing. Um, So, yeah, it's kind of been on my mind. And also I feel like people don't know what strategy is really. They're like, oh, it's planning, right? We'll create a plan. And it's like, no, that's planning. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, And my feeling is that strategy, you can think of it like leverage. So basically it's like, what have we got and how can we use it? And how Mm -hmm. can we neutralize weaknesses? So leveraging strengths and neutralizing weaknesses and trying to find like, yeah, trying to find what you can do with that. What's your thoughts on this, Boyd? So I've got a question for you then in regards to that. So then what would would it look like if you were like, we're creating a strategy or – our strategy is like, is this, is this something, and this is going to sound maybe a bit basic, but is this something that you would like, can be represented in like a document? Can it be something that you, can you present a strategy? Absolutely. And how, and how does that look? Well, yeah, I mean like absolutely. Yes. But I think, um, first of all, instead of the strategy just being like, okay, well we want to, because what I see a lot is people presenting documents that are like, we want to achieve these numbers and here's how we think we're going to do it by Mm. uh, increasing our ad spending by 50% and uh, introducing two new products by the end of Q2. And it's like actually um, what I'd really love to see more of and I think what you're really good at because I've seen some of your strategy documents um, is like what are we good at, what do we believe, How do we feel like we're going to um, articulate this? How, like delving into, it's almost like delving into who you are as a company and what you've already got um, and how to make the most of it. Love it. Yeah, great. Okay, cool. I just wanted to hear your thoughts on that because I think you're absolutely right. It's something that everybody everybody throws around that word a lot. Yeah. And I don't think that they're really thinking about what it means. I mean, even I use it sometimes when I probably don't even mean it. Yeah. You know, I'm yeah. like, let's be strategic about this. And it's like, you mean just be smart about it. Yeah. Which is a totally different thing. A hundred percent. And also like, uh, I mean, strategy comes from war. Like that's where it kind of first happened. So it was kind of like, yeah. basically, um, let's imagine Napoleon and he's in a certain place and he's like, well, if we go over that hill and and then we will have an advantage because we'll be coming down at the enemy, 
Um, clearly I know nothing about war, so let's just roll with it. <laughs> but um, if we go around the hill, it will take longer and but our um, troops will be less tired because they haven't walked up a big hill um, or a right. mountain or something. So they have to strategically figure out which is the best way for us to, like what's going to give us a better advantage here. Yeah, um, better outcome. And I, I think the reason I've been thinking about this a lot especially recently is because oh, I'm so sorry to use the B word again, but we're all so burnt out yeah. <laughs> and all my clients are super burnt out as well. And I'm not meeting anyone who's not burnt out at the moment. And I think that's because in a way this survival mode is creating more what people think is more of a need for strategy um, they're like, how do we get ourselves out of this? And so, so basically yeah. I just like to challenge everyone instead of being like, okay, we need to get into another meeting and think about another problem and how we're going to address it. What could you do instead? Like what could mm-hmm. you actually go ahead and just try instead? Yeah. Because I think that sense of play is missing at the moment and that's really, I mean, just that's a killer when it's no, there's no fun at work because you're not you're not being able to see into the future. Fascinating. I love that you brought up this topic really because once again our work topics are just like fully aligned because I have been lately procrastinate procrastinating uh like a mother Ever. Oh my God, Brittany, I cannot tell you. It's just so ridiculous. Like, and so I thought, you know, this is really interesting. I'm going to, I'm going to do some reading on procrastination. And I found this incredible article. It's actually from a couple of years ago, um, but it's from the New York Times. Great. Um, And it's talking about, I mean, uh, basically the title of the article is that procrastinate, it says, uh, why you procrastinate has nothing to do with self-control, which I think I never assumed that it had to do with self-control, I guess. But I think that the, a couple of things that they talk about here is are so fascinating. So just a little bit of background on my procrastination. I am trying to basically launch a new offering and I have been <laughs> trying, like, and it's like, Yes, there's a lot to do, and yes, it's been a ton of work and all of those things, but there's no doubt in my mind that it could have been done faster on my part. There are certain things that I could have been doing. Totally, yeah. And even last week, you know, I'm like, it's just hilarious to me because I'm so excited about having it launched, so excited to do it, but yet I feel nervous about it. I'm anxious. I'm feeling stressed about it. And of course, that's actually where procrastination derives, right? It's from a nervousness. It's from a, it, it, for a lot of people anyways, it's it's from the fact that uh, you're not sure what the outcome will be. Yeah. And therefore, you're like, well, we'll just put it aside for a moment. And what they, a couple of the things that really resonated with me from this article, the first one is that uh, we are like, uh, very, very, very prone to um, this, uh, they call it uh, present bias, mm-hmm. right? So it's like uh, we're we're really 
like more than we, we don't think about the future as much as we think about the immediate present, mm-hmm. right? So but I, by us procrastinating, putting something off, we're actually rewarding ourselves in the immediate present, mm-hmm. but we're punishing our future selves, Ugh, right? Are we ever? Um, <laughs> right? Hugely. And what's so fascinating about this is like, uh, is we actually have this, this way of disassociating from our future selves so much so that we actually like in our brains, we're, we're thinking that we're putting like, th- we're, this is becoming someone else's problem if I don't do this right now. But really it becomes our problem in the future mm. and it becomes worse, you know? Like it's so, it's just, our brains are just uh, incredible. Yeah. And also, of course, this, um, the fact that uh, there's this bit of like stress or anxiety around whatever the task is, um, that actually, of course, in our brains triggers this kind of uh, fight or flight, right? It, it triggers a, a feeling of panic and a feeling of that like something bad is happening. Mm-hmm. So our, of course, our reaction is to, you know, yeah. step away, to put it off, to not do it, um, because that's sort of the uh, the most natural uh, thing. And then because we get rewarded with by it, like immediate reward, uh, we do it. We continue to do it. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's just hilarious. I mean, I mean um, like it's so funny because yesterday. I, and honestly, lately, all of my work has been getting done between like 5 and 5.30 p.m. Yeah. Like I will look at it and I'll think about it and I'll try and do it and I'll make one note and then I'll Google something. I'll do that all day. And then I'll get to the end of the day and I'll be like, okay, I did it. And I'm like, why was that so hard, Penny? For goodness sake, like... Honestly, it's so, and I, I don't really like, cause I'm reading all of this and I'm like, check mark. Yes. Check mark. Yes. Yes. It's, it's exactly what's happening. That's exactly how I feel. And of course their solutions are not as, <laughs> they're not as cut and dry and yeah. exciting and revolutionary as of course we hope. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I think they, they said in this article that really I found, I found works for me cause I found myself doing this and, um, not realizing how much it actually helps, but uh, is is uh, treating, so basically treating the emotion. So because we get rewarded by procrastinating, right? As in we just get rewarded because we're like, oh, we don't have to do that thing now anymore because mm-hmm. we decided not to do it. Um, <laughs> instead of that reward, we need to give ourselves a different kind of reward and it needs to be like an internal reward. Mm-hmm. So focusing on your emotions because it's an emotional thing. Procrastination it has nothing to do with anything other than the way that totally. you're feeling. Yeah. So, uh, so they said that one of the best ways is of course, self-compassion. So to actually just be kind to yourself mm. and, and be understanding. And if you procrastinate not to be hard on yourself and mm. which is something that I do a lot, mm. is just like get down on myself and yeah. be like, what are you doing, Brittany? Like you could have had this launched weeks ago. What's your, you know, what's your problem. Instead, um, being nice, understanding, and compassionate actually will, in future, um, prevent you from procrastinating uh, more. Mm. So it's sort of like that's what they say, you know, through whatever studies, science, research, uh, (laughs) that 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 will happen. So, and then the other thing is kind of tricking yourself, which I found kind of funny. I'm like, this could totally I think I need that one. (laughs) Yeah, I need the trick, right? So they say that instead of, so a lot of people, you know, when it comes to productivity, blah, 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 they're like, break down a really big task into small manageable chunks. We all know that that's what we should do. Mm -hmm. But this uh, piece of advice coming from this article talks about not like don't break it down into 
small manageable chunks. Just think about the next step. That's the only thing you should think about. And don't even tell yourself you're going to do it. Just think about what you would do if you were to do the next step. It's like, if I were to take this next step, how would that look? How would that look? And when you start imagining it, you might find yourself starting to do it. And the motivation, of course, as we all know, comes with action, Mm. not vice versa, right? So taking a little small action will actually increase your motivation, will relieve your stress and anxiety, and will hopefully encourage you to sort of keep going. That is so Um, true. A hundred percent. So yesterday when I was like really procrastinating, because I actually didn't have that much work to do, I just had to, I was like, I kept saying to myself, Penny, if you could just do this now at 11 o'clock in the morning, you could have the rest of the day off. But of Mm -hmm. course I still, but anyway, so what ended up getting me to actually do it was, um, and I didn't leave it all the way till 5 p.m. I managed to do it before that. But um, I was like, just send one invoice, even though that's not the task that that you have to do at all. Just send one invoice, which takes literally five minutes. But um, also is so fun to do, right? Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you do? I have I a weird it. guilt around sending invoices. I'm like, actually. <laughs> that's actually really true. So I think I like the fact because that it's a good motivator for me because I'm like, okay, I need to keep working so I can keep sending invoices. But also I do get that guilt as well. Yeah. I felt that yesterday. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, I'm so anyway, sorry. sorry. I, I'm helping you, but also I'm charging you for it. Oh my god! I'm charging you a lot yeah. of money. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I thank you so much for reminding us of those tricks because it's so like, it's amazing that like, I think we're all doing the same thing and we've all been doing it in different ways for years and years, but still we still just need those reminders and encouragements about like how to get around it. Totally. Yeah. I felt like a bit silly being like, I'm going to talk about procrastination, but I was like, you know what? This article actually like me thinking about it really helped me. So I thought, let's just, yeah. you know, sometimes you got to go back to the basics. Don Tootin. In times like these. Oh. Culture. What you got, Brit? Well, you know, you know what I'm going to talk about, Penny. So here's the thing. Do I? I don't know who else has already watched this, but I have finished the Woody Allen documentary. <gasps> oh. Allen versus Pharaoh, I think it's called. I knew you'd finished um, it because actually, because Brittany messaged me at like 11.30 last night and she's like, he totally did it, Penny. Yeah. I was like, I'm sorry. Because... I mean, both you and I, and I think a lot of people don't want to believe it, but I, after watching that, just watch the documentary. I don't want to, like, that's not what I want to talk about Uh today, uh but I just am saying that, first of all, I think it's a well-done documentary. It's an HBO documentary, so of course it's it's well done. It is, you could argue, a little bit biased. You don't really hear Woody Allen's side Mm -hmm. very much, Mm -hmm. Um, but he also refused to participate and all the, you know, all of his people refused to to participate in it. So, um, you know, we couldn't really get that side of it. Um, It's it's pretty interesting. It's pretty sad, obviously, as well. Uh, A lot of things that happened were really, really sad. But anyway, uh, so don't watch that if you're needing something cheery because it's not (laughs) a positive documentary. But it is a good conversation starter for sure. It's a great We had a great chat about it with some friends the other day. It was really good. We did. Yeah. So... I guess my question, and this, I just want to ask you about this because this is one thing we didn't talk about, is um, are you of the belief that we can separate uh, artists from their art? 
What's your What's your thought around that, or have you thought about Great. it? Of course, I've thought about it. Thank you so yeah. much for asking. It's one of my hot topics. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think the the way that we ask the question is wrong. Like we right. we shouldn't have to separate artists from their art. Um, the way I think about it is like a really. First of all, unfortunately, ninety percent of art is shit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So there are a lot of artists who make really crappy stuff and then they also do crappy stuff and so it's really easy to dismiss them. But then yeah. on the other hand, there are some artists who do incredible things. Like I rewatched Roman Polanski's Chinatown a few months ago and I was just like, this is an incredible genius movie. And I feel that in that in that sort of context, even though Roman Polanski did, he clearly did like heinous raping things. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's also given us this work of genius and we get that. We get the genius and then we can kind of just ignore Roman. You know, we can yeah. consider him to be a troubled um, man who's committed crimes and yeah, I know it's a complicated it's, thing. It is very, I know, bringing this up I knew would be a little bit Risky. It's, it's a risky topic, and it's all—it's very complicated and nuanced. Mm. Um, a couple of things that I just after, because because this is a topic also that comes up in the documentary that kind of near the end, and I think that's such an interesting, an interesting conversation mm. to have because there is I feel I feel both sides in a really big way. Like I'm really torn um, when it comes to this. So, um, and and a, f- a few reasons. So. I mean, there's a t- first of all, artists like it, maybe you just said this, but artists are like known to be just not the best people usually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like they're, it, I mean, that's very, very common mm. that artists do horrible things. They're very self-involved. They usually have a <laughs> very big ego, right? Like they usually have this this sense of self that's like godlike. That's like a key, it's not uncommon. Key point, I think, like because yeah. to make a certain type of art or like a high level Mm -hmm. of art, you have to have such a singular vision. And sometimes that means that you have to get the guy to recut the movie 50,000 times. You have Mm -hmm. to get the, for example, Hitchcock was known to push actresses beyond what was comfortable to get these like phenomenal performances and like torturing people a little bit. And like even in the business world, I think we see this where if you really want to get what you think is going to be the best product, it's going to make people really uncomfortable and it might even hurt feelings in it. And so there is that difficult dynamic, like incredible art is not easy to make. It's not, it's not a nice process. Yeah. So my biggest problem with, let's say, um, right now I'm really, I I really love Woody Allen's movies, but I'm going to have a problem watching his movies from now on. And I know I'm late in the game. Like this has been a conversation going on for a really long time. And I have been thinking about it for a really long time, but I guess I hadn't really um, gotten more details probably because I didn't want more details, which I know is horrible, but it's absolutely the truth. Um, I didn't want to know more because it would have, it's easier not Mm. knowing. Right. But um, now that I know a bit more and now that I've kind of formed an opinion, I'm going to have a really hard time watching um, his movies, you know, and, and the big reason is not because I think that I can't separate the art from the artist, but that I know watching his movies only 
makes him richer, more powerful, and more prestigious. And I know not me only, obviously, mm. but the more people watching his stuff, the more people buying his movies, the more people, you know, pressing play on Netflix on his friggin' you know, Manhattan or whatever. I don't know if that's, that's on Netflix. True. But anyways, I mean, like, whatever. Only, but if you get them illegally, and this is the funny thing, because I've been talking, I was talking to a trans friend about um, J.K. Rowling and Harry Potter, mm. and she was like, if you if you download the movies illegally, then you're stealing from J.K. Rowling, and that makes it totally okay. <laughs> and it's but, so interesting. I mean, I, I, I thought about that too, because I was like, well, what if I just don't? purchase mm. the things. Mm. Um, yeah, there's still this this reward system or this... Th- this is what irritates me is that these people have so much power and sway and people bend over backwards for them uh, even though they've done horrible things. I think you know, Woody Allen's what, power is very much over. Like he had that's his true. book cancelled. He's had a lot of things. Right. He's been completely... Um, in the US, canceled. he's like really. Apparently, in Europe, they keep like buying his movies. Yeah, and like, you know, because like releasing the his French being like, "Oh, you know, it's totally oh, fine. Teenage yeah. girls are beautiful. Whatever." We get it. We get. <laughs> it. Not blaming the French. Sorry, but no, of course um, not. It's a, it's no. a, Europeans have a very different attitude. Um, That's true. Yeah, this is so interesting because also let's be honest. Like feeding. Um, so, for example. Woody Allen, Michael Jackson, Roman Polanski, they are not just the, – the artist isn't the only person in that ecosystem. There are producers, yes. directors, yes. editors, people working yes. on, the, on the films, Agreed. The, in the studios and so on. So associating yourself with Woody Allen in that context might still be profitable. But also mm-hmm. um, I was talking to a friend about Michael Jackson and she is a – Ride or die, Michael Jackson fan, right? And she watched. Yeah. She didn't watch Finding Neverland because she couldn't do it. Um, mm. And she's a lovely person, you know. She's a compassionate person, but she had because she's such a huge Michael Jackson fan. She'd done all this research and read the the other side of the story, which for Woody Allen as well is out there. Like there is mm-hmm. two sides to every story. Um, <laughs> I mean, like, I'm probably not going to watch a Woody documentary because I'm not ready. Um, yeah. But also I've, I've read a lot about it and I've, I think, think it's a really interesting subject. But, like, she had done all this research on Michael Jackson and the two people who came out against him. Um, and honestly, like, the way she put the argument, like, their motives were very dubious as well. So the thing is, at the end of the day... A lot of the time, no one's going to ever know what happened or not. And we think no, that yeah. because we've watched mm-hmm. a documentary, we do have all the information. But no, we we probably don't um, and we probably never will. Um, and so that's the, that's the risk, I think, of like weaponizing when it comes to like connecting a person and their livelihood to their personal behavior that yeah. becomes a weapon that people can use um, yeah. to, to get rid of them and create more paths for themselves or um, whatever it might be. Um, yeah. And so it's it becomes really tricky and I think what we really need to, instead of saying should we con- disconnect the artist from the art, we should start saying how do we create a culture where if I report a sexual assault and I be, if, okay, first of all, 
We need to create a culture where reporting sexual assault when it happens is crucial um, and there's no shame involved with that because I think what happens to a lot of sexual assault victims is like they're, they're ashamed, which is totally natural and I... It's, it's unfortunate, but unfortunately the, the victim feels more ashamed than the perpetrator. So they don't yeah. actually come, ahead, come out and say, mum, our uncle did something. And that's, that's negative. We shouldn't be creating a culture like that. We should be saying things should be reported when they happen and then there should be legal process because, that will, mm-hmm. because then if Woody Allen's in jail, he wouldn't have been making movies all these years. You know what I mean? Yeah. So those, the artists that are able to create work are the ones who aren't committing crimes in the first place. Yeah, instead exactly. Instead of us cre- having a system that protects them. Yeah. I'm with you. <laughs> I'm with Sorry. you. What do you have for us? What do you have for us culture-wise, Pam? Um, so I have a much lighter topic and I'm, Perfect. <laughs> I feel like Brit's going to know once I start talking about this, but guys, I have a new podcast and I'm obsessed with it. <laughs> it's called Sentimental Garbage. Um, and it's been running for quite a few seasons now. It's by, um, a writer called Caroline O'Donoghue and listen, Caroline, I'm so sorry, but she has a She's got a terrible laugh. And I know you're not yeah. supposed to say someone dances or laughs in a bad way, but right. it's unquestionable. It's not a good laugh. It's very weird and annoying. So the first time <laughs> I, my friend sent this to me like a while ago and I started listening and I was like, oh, no, 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 I can't listen to this. Can't handle that. Um, and then another friend sent it to me recently, my friend Shona, and Shona has a very low tolerance for stuff like an annoying laugh. So I was like, if you're listening to this whole thing, then you must be, it must be tolerable. So it definitely is tolerable. They're so funny. They talk about basically the premise of the um, podcast is that they take a piece of pop culture like the book the Devil Wears Prada or the series Sex and the City and they basically overanalyze it. Um, yeah. And it's just so much fun because it's it's often stuff like from 10 years ago or um, definitely pre-pandemic. So it kind of like it's quite escapist. It's very yeah. kind of girly and silly and but also they are they're usually writers. So there's a lot of talk about craft and technique and um, mm-hmm. character formation and plot arcs and so on. So it's just, it's a true delight and it's like, I can't stop. It's so good. Okay, good. So I'm going to dive back into that because I had this, I did the same thing as Penny. Um, I started listening to it because uh, of Dolly Alderton, who yeah. I'm a fan of. Um, she's in this Sex and the City uh, series, uh, yep. chapter mm-hmm. or whatever you call it. Um, and, uh, anyway, I started listening to it and I right away messaged Penny and I was like, look, I tried listening to the, to Dolly Alderton's new podcast, but I just can't do it because her friend, it's like, a, it, it's not like if you were in, in person with her, it wouldn't be so intense, but audio is so intense. So yeah. if someone's laugh is really high pitched or, you know, whatever it has, it's like so hyper- <laughs> But also, concentrated. Yeah, and I feel sorry for her because it's 
It's so bad, but also she's so smart and she's so mm-hmm. funny and she's like someone I definitely want to be friends with. So, but and cool. also I feel bad for her because everyone's saying it's Dolly's new podcast, but it's actually her podcast. No, I she's know she's been right, running yeah. it for ages. But Dolly's doing this special um, series just on Sex and the City, which is honestly it's it's so good. I love overanalyzing things like that, like yeah. a silly TV show, but also. Sex and the City is one of those things that's like it's all about the zeitgeist. So it's one yeah. of those things that's aged in a particular way and you can look back on it in a particular way. And also a huge thing that they talk about on the show is like your view of something when you first saw it as a 17-year-old compared to when you were re-watching it in your 20s compared mm. to when you're watching it now and you're like, oh, my God, yes. Like, oh. Yeah, yeah. Um. So oh, yeah. fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I'm get I'm gonna get back on board. So we'll put a link to that in the show notes yeah. for everybody, including me. Yeah. I already have it in my good. podcast. But still, yeah. <laughs> I'm in. I'm gonna watch I watch it. I'm gonna listen to it. Do it, Britt. I can't <laughs> wait to hear what you think. Lifestyle. I've actually got a topic this week, surprisingly. You know how we always struggle with lifestyle topics? For yes. some reason, because probably it's a pandemic. But I've actually got one this week and I feel like Brit's going to be a key contributor here. Perfect. Give it to me. I can't believe I haven't talked about this before, but mm-hmm. my lifestyle at the moment is playing cards. How have we never <laughs> flippin' talked about this, Brit? That's so true. We play cards. I ca- have no like, idea. Brit and I love playing cards together. Yeah. We love playing cards with other people. We'll play cards with anyone. Yeah, I love playing cards. I mean, I love board games in general. We've definitely talked about that. Or I love games in general. Mm. They don't have, there doesn't have to be a board, yeah. you know? I don't need a board. <laughs> Just give me some cards or some tokens or, you know, some kind of activity. weird plot. Yeah, exactly. I love an activity. Yeah. I really do. And I push it, like, when I'm with friends, like, I push it probably a little too hard. And there's always this moment in the night where, like, I'm like, hey, you guys. And then someone like Penny or my other friend Jamie will be like, you want to play cards, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. 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 Um, it's a whole thing. But I'm just going to make a little case for playing cards over board games right. because – I love board games as well, but I definitely find that I have to be in the mood to like listen to all the instructions and like figure out my strategy (laughs) and because I do like to win. Um, And so, (laughs) um, and also it tends to be more of a time commitment. There's like tokens, there's a race, there's like, you have to figure out whether you want the gold or the food, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, So I feel like you've you've got to get basically... um, if you want to start playing cards, you've got to get two games down. A really easy one, and Brit and I would suggest golf. Yeah, Look it up. Golf. Super easy, yeah. super fun, semi-luck-based, but also semi-skill-based. Love it. Then you need to t- have another one that's like, um, actually, you do need to build up a repertoire. So you have to have like- You do, because you'll get bored. For sure. And also you have to go with people's moods. So sometimes people get really irritated when- there's a lot of luck involved because they feel like mm. they can't get ahead. Um, mm. And then if the game is too complicated then they'll and you've had too many drinks, then that's, that's a thing as well. Yeah. But cards are yeah. just like you can fit them in the palm of your hand, you can take them anywhere, you can teach people. One hand holds the card, the other hand holds the drink. Darn too. You know what I mean? And also Perfect. if you're trying to quit smoking like I am, which, sorry, I have successfully quit smoking, I'm now a non-smoker. Yeah, you it's something nice to do with your hands. Um, it's mm-hmm. like an activity to keep you busy with your hands. 
Um, it takes the pressure off like having some fucking amazing conversation all the time, which is super hard at the moment, as we all know. If, if you've yeah. been, uh, if you could overhear the hypotheticals that I'm now posing to people, it's it's going insane. So all I want to say is learn golf. Let that be your first little card game. Um, and see how you go. I think you're going to like it. Yeah, introduce cards to your to your lifestyle. I, I would be a full, big believer in that. For sure. Supporting that. The one thing that I've been thinking about this week in terms of lifestyle, and it's, again, goes, goes pretty well with the old card game uh, storyline, is that um, because our days are so mundane – Everything's kind of the same every day, you know, and even like, I mean, for me, um, I'm seeing the same people all the time, Mm -hmm. you know, like I I, I have sort of a a few people that I see, so I see them regularly. So again, there's just like not, it's all kind of the same. So one thing that I've really, really been pushing for is every day, we might've already talked about this, but I'm just going (laughs) to, it's just a friendly reminder every day to find a small little, some little tiny highlight somewhere. Yeah. Just somewhere. And it can be playing a game of cards with a friend. It can be going on a walk to your favorite bakery and getting a donut, like whatever, but just, and, and, and make it ridiculous. Like Mm. one, one thing I love about it is like, even if it's the smallest little thing, like you need to like get excited about it. And you need to be like, this is my highlight today. So I am going to go smiling all the way there and smiling, you know, whatever. Like we have to kind of, it's this thing where we have to sort of fool ourselves into thinking that we actually have Fun, exciting things going on in our but lives. The thing is, it does that sounds sad, work. but like it does. It act, does. And work. like this week, a couple of the things that I've been doing is like, for example, I'll be like, tomorrow I'm going to the bagel shop and we're going to have bagels for breakfast. And in itself, that's not exciting, but it just gave a little punctuation to my day. And then, totally. like, you know. Tomorrow we're going to the Asian grocery store and we're going to buy a whole bunch of ingredients to buy to make this particular dish. So it's yes. like, okay, it's very food oriented or like... Mine are always food oriented. Yeah, and like I've been really good with not drinking very much lately. And so on Wednesday, usually I'm like, today I'm going to the wine, uh, the specialty wine shop and I'm going to buy a bottle of natural wine and I'm really going to enjoy two glasses, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I totally, I'm with you, Britt. Like these little coping mechanisms are so important. Yeah, and that's one that's just really helped me. And it's also kind of fun coming up with what your little cute highlight yeah. is going to be, yeah. you know? I mean, that gets me excited. And also but. joking around with it because I joke around yes. with Jed, your boyfriend or you, like Jed about this a lot. I'm like, honey, tomorrow can we um, can we go to the supermarket together? And he's yeah. just like, yes, we can, baby. Anything you want. <laughs> yeah. I give it all to you. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So Yeah, cute. I do that with the simplest things. It's That's what it's about right now. And that's okay. Lovely. You know? Lovely. I feel like we did a real good job considering there's nothing going on. <laughs> I think so too. I think we had some, you know, we had some like intellectual conversations. We had some fun, happy-go-lucky conversations. I mean, it's all, what else could you possibly want it's from a, a podcast? It's a bonanza baby. <laughs>
<laughs> I love it. Okay, great. Well, thank you very much to all our listeners for listening to this episode. Hope you have a wonderful week. We love you, but just don't mm-hmm. be dicks. Don't be, don't be a dick. Don't be a whole right? bag of dicks. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Okay, bye. Bye.